Unboxing E-Commerce. I'm James Marks, a serial entrepreneur who built and recently exited an e-commerce fulfillment service called Whiplash. I've been investigating business mysteries since I launched my first business when I was 17. I'm Jennifer Yates, a business operations leader, creator, and connector. I quickly see the landscape of a business from all Zoom levels, angles, and relationships. We use our combined expertise and curiosity to understand the process behind the package. Each episode, we order from your favorite brands and reverse engineer their operations stack. We learn what tools they're using and why, so we can run your business like the pros. Jennifer, are you ready to unbox e-commerce? I'm ready. Let's get to that box. Hey, James. I've been dying to ask you this question. You returned, I don't even know, like a day ago from Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, it's been more than a day because that first day back, I was pretty useless. Yes, Uh, toast. So I want to know about this trip. First of all, did you make it to Team Lab Tokyo? We did. We did. (gasps) That was... It was pretty fun. There's like mirror rooms and video installations, like 360 degree video installations. It was pretty fun. And then there's vegan ramen. After you're done, you can buy vegan ramen. Is it still, you take your shoes off and you wade through water and... Yeah, you heard about the water? Yeah. So, yeah, so I that's, felt, that's, I did it. <laughs> I oh, did you, it probably, yeah. You met, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it sounds the same. Were you alarmed when they're like, oh yeah, now we're going to take your shoes off and like put shorts on if you don't have... Yes. Like, what? <laughs> I was what? totally alarmed. <laughs> and I was alarmed also when you squish through, it's kind of like a... Oh, what are those things like that kids have in the backyard that they jump in? You know, those jumpy things that are puffy. Anyway, it was like a like a play castle, like a jump house, bounce house, jump house, bounce house. But there was like some of that bumpy material filled with water on top of it (laughs) and you had to climb out. I was like, I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) That might be slightly easier now. This was, it was like lumpy and soft. They never put the water and the weird lumpy part. Oh, they didn't? But you know what? One was closed also. So maybe we didn't get to see that one. Or maybe I'm just exaggerating and remembering. (laughs) I... (laughs) I am one to exaggerate experiences. I, you know, I really wanted to do a flip in the, the soft, lumpy part, and uh, I didn't. Well, you could always I, go back. I could always go back. It's a lot of setup and tear down to, <laughs> to get to Team Art Lab in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Did you stay the whole time in Tokyo or did you travel? We traveled a little bit. We went to Kyoto very briefly. Mm-hmm. And then Nara in Nara, I mean, it's, it's all over Instagram, but like, there's like kind of tamed deer from like a thousand years of domesticating these deer until they feed your hands. Well, until they bite your hand off trying to eat out oh. of your hand. Yeah. And he's like gnawing at my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and like, So there's an interesting thing my kids noticed is the deer know when the purchase has been made because you buy these little crackers. Mm-hmm. And deer do not bother the vendor of the crackers at all. The crackers are all sitting there. The deer could get them and they don't. They totally ignore them. But as soon as you hand them the money, the deer know it's game on. Game on. And they are on you. It's scary. 
Yeah. So I was having a hard time getting the paper undone. And then the deer are like at me and they're like chewing at my belt and my jacket and like all over me. And I'm like fidgeting. I'm probably running away trying to get the paper off these crackers because, man, maybe it was morning time where like I, I was like the breakfast shift. The deer were a little more hungry. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what time of day I was there. But OK, these are the two questions I ask. Everyone who travels somewhere, like, so that they don't have to go through their entire itinerary and give me the blow by blow. But I want to know what was your absolute most favorite thing and what was the worst thing about your trip? <laughs> uh, so, favorite thing early on, you know, you're just trying to like, handle your jet lag and boots on the ground. And my family has a lot of dietary restrictions mm-hmm. and we're just trying to get calories, right? <laughs> and so they, they just, just survive these first couple of days when we don't speak the language. We're just dumb as a stone. How, yeah. do, we, how do we survive? And so we're making one of those early trips across town and we happened across a Shinto temple, I guess. Oh, yeah. And we kind of saw people bowing at a big Torah gate and going in. And so we did that and we went up there and I didn't know a lot about Shintoism. I still don't, but I know like the first paragraph of Wikipedia and I could just relate to it. It's one of the first kind of religions I ever looked at where I was like, well, that actually sounds, sounds okay. Sounds okay. You know, <laughs> like uh, that's not generally how I feel. Yeah. And so that was really special. That was, And then, oh, you put your hands on a tree and just like take a moment and pause. I don't know if there's something you feel in the tree or just because I was jet lagged and sort of out of <laughs> slightly dizzy anyway, but it was kind of a special moment. That's amazing. Did you go to 7-Eleven? And we like lived out of 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love and like, it. I was honestly like, uh, there's a the Phoebe Bridgers song, Day Off in Kyoto. I was just like singing it in my head the whole time. And she like, she mentions going to 7-Eleven in the store. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it. This is great. Yeah. The rice triangles. <laughs> the rice tri- yeah. The uh, onigiri. Yeah. Oh, see, you you learned it. Well, we, I think we have a Japanese influence on the Bay Area. So some oh, of that stuff is there. Is there. Um mm. And so that was actually probably another favorite part is looking around all the Bay Area, sort of like the style of the Craftsman houses. I think a lot of that, a lot more of that is Japanese influence that I had understood. And then you're going to some of those sort of OG instances and you're like, oh, this is what that house on College Avenue is trying to do. (laughs) Yeah, the OG. Okay, so your favorite part was that early on. What about the worst thing? Oh, I'm not going to answer that. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. it was it was fun. I lead such a charmed life. It would be uncouth to complain about like literally anything. I love that word so much. <laughs> I uncouth. hope I didn't just I hope I didn't make it up or mispronounce it. No, you didn't, and you didn't. You said it absolutely perfectly, and it is For a least. word, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's an awesome word. Thank you for making my day. How about you? Any updates on your side? I went to the doctor to get an x-ray on my knee because about three weeks ago, I was walking the dogs, dark at night, like dark sidewalk, everything's dark (laughs) and pitch black, dark. And the dogs decided that they needed to see or smell something on the opposite side of the sidewalk. I don't know where this is going. They tore in front of me and 
to avoid stepping on them, I instead tripped over them and fell mm. on my kneecap. I couldn't get up for a while. I think I just shattered my entire kneecap. I hobble home. I put frozen corn or peas or something on it and elevate it. No swelling. Just kind of a scrape and a little of a bruise. And so I was like, oh, I made it. But here we are several weeks later and it still feels bruised. not not quite right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she... She being the doctor was like, we need an x-ray. You may have fractured your patella. (laughs) So that's the wait and see. I don't want to hear those words anywhere near each other. On the bright side, I can still walk. I can still exercise. It is not stopping me from anything. It just kind of hurts. Yeah. So should we get to the box? We should get to the box or the poly bag, as the case may be. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's some admin we've got to take care of first. Okay. So, James, mm-hmm. you chose Netflix.shop. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm grimacing a little bit. We can talk about that later. So, you chose Netflix.shop. I need to know why. <laughs> well, the, 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 simple, the simple reason is... What do you mean, Netflix.shop? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. That's one oh, There's a Netflix web store? Like, why does that exist? What? Why? <laughs> what? How? Who? That was the same thing. I saw it on like a list of large e-commerce companies. And I was like, no, that's like a misnomer. That's like, and then Someone you look and you're mistake. like, yeah, exactly. And then like, I go to the site, they're pitching me on like, Stranger Things hot sauce. And yes. <laughs> I almost bought that, actually. <laughs> I've got plenty of novelty hot sauce already. So, uh, Oh, do you? I've got two I bottles. See. Isn't that enough? I don't <laughs> think how much novelty hot sauce does one need. Do you use it? No, not really. It's just for show. Yeah. I felt the same. When you told me we were ordering from Netflix.shop, I was like, what? <laughs> okay. So... That's pretty much the only reason. That's the only reason. (laughs) The other thing that I thought was a little bit fun is when I was kind of looking into it, trying to make the decision, I noticed that they shipped their last red mailer, which, you know, I remember very well having those Mm -hmm. in our house. The last one shipped on September 29th of 2023. So just a couple months ago. You're kidding. I didn't realize they were still doing that. That it was still on? Yeah, I mean, that's why they turned it off, I I suspect. Oh, okay. (laughs) So speaking of, let's go through a little history. And our dear, poor listeners, I am not going to walk you through the history of Netflix. (laughs) Because if you want the history of Netflix, I do recommend reading No Rules Rules by Netflix founder Reed Hastings and cultural expert Aaron Meyer. I loved that book. It was really good. You do learn about the history of Netflix, why they don't have rules there. It's interesting too, like people who are employed by Netflix kind of cycle in and cycle out. It's like a stopping point and everyone realizes that. So I'm not going through the history of Netflix. I was like, I'm just going to go through the history of Netflix.shop. Which already that URL, I feel like the .shop domain is like kind of tarnished goods. I don't know that I see a lot of people really using it and like trusted brands using it. But Netflix.shop sounds great. 
It sounds great. And I have not seen people use it, but maybe I travel in different internet circles. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I thought it was like dot biz. Like it's kind of an off brand dot com. And it's like sends a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a signal to it, right? Yes. Not, yes. And it's not a great one. And I think dot shop maybe is the same way, but I think maybe it works because Netflix is such a established brand in another domain that you're saying, okay, it's Netflix, but it's the shopping site. So it's yeah for that reason. Yeah. They got away with it. Yeah. I think so, so the online store, I was surprised to learn this because when you told me to order, I had never heard of it. It's been around since summer 2021. Okay. So already a little over two years. It started on June 10th. They launched first in the United States. You know, it was hard to find a lot of research on it. So basically, they were just trying to expand their revenue footprint, mm -hmm. you know, and appeal to viewers about basically shopping their favorite shows and offering materials, you know, from the shows. So Besides being a source of revenue, they already had some retail partners, Target, Walmart, a few other. That makes sense. Like you could buy a Stranger Things shirt at Target. And that, yes. that feels like a, a normal thing. A day. normal thing. They but then, yeah, they licensed it out. But then if you think about it, it's like, wait a minute. Just like you said, we're equally a large name and we can just have our own shop. I mean, they're still working with retail partners for sure, but they wanted to capitalize on their popular shows, Lupin, Stranger Things, The Witcher. They sell streetwear, food and beverage, as you talked about, <laughs> housewares, clothing, shoes, toys, plushies, softies, whatever, and jewelry. I saw you could get a sleeping bag of the red DVD envelope. <laughs> it was a commemorative. Did. <laughs> did you get the sleeping bag? No, no, no. I missed that. I was going to get a Squid Game jumpsuit. It's like the full thing. But then the face mask was there. And I was like, is that removable? <laughs> or do I have to wear the face mask? That so I was like, I'm not going to risk commitment. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a commitment. So I didn't get that. What's cool, though, is, and I vaguely remember hearing about this, they kind of started the merch game early, partnering with the bicycle brand Mongoose, and they made bicycles for the stranger, you know, a yeah. play on stranger oh, you could, things. You could, so they could buy the bikes that they ride the, in the show? Yeah, yeah, multiple yeah. bicycles. So that's kind of cool. And then I guess... They brought on in 2020, Netflix brought on this guy who was at Disney and at Nike and Netflix brought them on to lead up their consumer products division. And so that's when right. things took off. And that guy grew just that team threefold since he joined and get this in 2025. So very soon, Netflix plans to open Brick and mortar store. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> With merch, restaurants, live events, and immersive experiences. Oh, and I was like, take your shoes off. Maybe you can take your <laughs> shoes off and wade through bumpy, yeah. Yeah. bumpy yeah. jumpy rental, things. Rental shorts for the uh, Netflix <laughs> immersive dining. Can't wait for well, that. <laughs> then I was like, well, what do they mean? And I read, I think there are pop-ups and one was a pop-up of 
Squid Game, you could play, I mean, without getting killed, you could play the games that they play on that show. That seems so. upsetting to me. I don't, I haven't watched the show, but I, it seems like a bad thing. Well, you don't get killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that's a spoiler alert. Sorry, Sorry. people who have never Shoot. watched. We'll have, okay. a, we'll have to put a warning on it. Yeah. So that's the history, sort of, of the Netflix.shop. So we ordered and we ordered on a Wednesday. I don't know about you, James. I can hear you clicking. You're going to talk me through the back end. <laughs> I am dying to know because I will say my shopping experience, the note I put was not loving their search, scroll, or categories. Oh, wow. On a scale of 10, what would you give them for the, what do we call this? Like the shopping experience itself, not checkout, but just like getting things into getting, the and finding the products. It was low for me. I would say my first instinct is three or five. Ooh. I know that sounds mean. That okay, let me say saving. five. I'll well, say I don't five. Mind be, I heard a really strong coming out. That was like your instinct really was that three. Can we say four? Let's say four. Even if during the experience it wasn't so terrible, that after effect, all I can remember from the experience is I was annoyed. Wow. I wonder if the benefit or like the kind of we're coming through the front door and we're, we're like trying to find something to buy, which I wonder if that's different than if you're finding them. I'm looking for a Stranger Things t-shirt and it's like maybe it's being advertised to me on social media and I come in, you know, targeted that way that there's a lot of just like single item purchase and category purchase and like you're not shopping across shows the way we were so i wonder if it's not a realistic experience maybe and i admit maybe i'm not inside their demographic because i'm typically I, not one to yeah i'm i'm way outside their demographic when i was <laughs> looking at this stuff i'm like who the hell is buying this stuff but it's like i was thinking the same i, I have it on a credible source that this store does material revenue I could not find that information. I tried. I don't want to bleed my source, but I have. Oh, I think I, we should. I have good information that it's material revenue. I mean, this. I mean, that was also my experience. Like when we would run projects at Whiplash and you something like, you know, 10,000 of like some record. And you're like, who is buying all this stuff? <laughs> That's why I work on the backside. That's why I work on the operations side is because I don't really understand or have good questions to those things. I don't really know how to sell things to consumers. I don't think it's always a bit mysterious to me. So I'm like, well, somebody sold it. Now I got to ship it. It's like a different skill. It is a different skill. I'm terrible at it too. I mean, I just am terrible. But if there's any success at all, <laughs> it's by accident, maybe, or some story I told around it. Like, you yeah. know, because I can tell a good story because of that exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, it was wet and bumpy and I was falling down and couldn't get up. And yeah. And so so anyway, maybe, maybe the question that I don't understand is how do you, okay, okay, that's the story. And then what's the product that matches it? Maybe if you can put those two things together, boom, now, now, <laughs> boom. now you can sell things. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear the back end of this because 
Well, so let's yeah. step through let's step through the the hit list of the some of the brands I found real quick. So they are using Shopify, which we've been seeing that more often lately. They're using Clavio, which is like everyone. They're using OneTrust for their GDPR compliance, like you know, the mm. cookie management. So that feels like some sort of like top three stack. We just see those yeah. all the time. I thought it was interesting. They're using something called Elevar for conversion tracking. Oh. And that, that was a new one. And that is a new one. Let's see. Marketers, analysts, and Shopify brand owners use Elevar for accurate conversion tracking. Mm. So I think it combines your Facebook tracker, your TikTok tracker, your Google Ads tracker, all that stuff, and puts it into a, a single pane of glass so that you can understand, you know, add attribution yeah. to, to revenue. and. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not my specialty area, I know enough about e-commerce to know that it's all about recurring purchases and the total lifetime value and that you'll often lose money on the first purchase. And so that attribution and understanding how it turns into the entire customer lifetime value is actually really, really important. Because your customer end up being pooled places, right? And so you might find that like, oh, the demographic that we get from TikTok spends in this way and has these characteristics. And maybe that's a bad demographic for you, even if they are clicking a lot of ads or doing a lot of first-time purchases, you need to find where are your people that are going to have that higher lifetime value. That's right. Continuing down the list, I think what I like about this one, this is a, a relatively new store, right? You said they started this in like 2021. Yep. And so I think we're seeing a relatively like best of the tools if you're starting this today, right? Because oh. some of the other technologies that we've seen were maybe the best if you're starting it 10 years ago and that stuff is grandfathered in. And I, this is all relatively fresh. And so it's a sort of view of the market in modern times, which is why I thought it was interesting that they're using Google Translate to provide their localization. No kidding. Because I, I see they're using a Google Translate API key, but I think that's yeah. being plugged in. There's a couple of Shopify apps. There's one called G Translate. There's one called Translify. I couldn't think of two worse names for apps if I tried. I think they're probably using one of those. And then you plug your Google API key in to do the translation so that you can bring the page up. And I think that ties into an app they're using called Geolocation, which looks at the IP address and makes a language and currency recommendation to kind of hopefully drop the user into their preferred version. My love language is. <laughs> so, okay. Coming from, and you may even know this too, but coming from the software side, localization is really expensive and mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. So basically... They're like back-end automating this to save all of that effort and time. So they're geolocating from the IP address and then making some smart assumptions about where that customer is. Yeah. And then translating the page. And then using the, then translating the page, putting it into the correct currency, those things. Yeah. And quite frankly, it's probably good enough because... The visuals on the products, a little bit about what it is and the price, and boom, you're there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I will say is every article I read about the Netflix.shop, it started first in the United States and later they were going to roll out to other countries, but I could never figure out when they actually expanded. Yeah. So this is like really interesting too, because it sounds, I love it. It's an MVP. It's good enough to expand and then 
Well, so this is, yeah. I mean, it's, I think they could be doing a little bit better job here because one of the fun things I found looking into this is there's a Reddit thread of people asking, like, is this a scam? Like, is the Netflix oh. shop real? And the reason that was happening is because people were placing orders and they're getting very long wait times. I think it's changed now based on the experiences that you and I had, which we'll get into in a second. But I think a lot of the products in the beginning seem to be shipping from Europe for some reason. And so oh. you, even though they launched in a strong US base, it takes like weeks while they're using some very cheap merch appropriate shipping method taking weeks i don't think the customer service was really set up well in the beginning while they're sort of figuring out a lot of these problems i felt like they're maybe more in reactive mode than getting in front of these things so they've got a lot of localization to sell this stuff i think the actuality of shipping products from europe is probably better than it sounds or mm. in reality it sounds better than it is now i feel like i have to say two things and this is for probably <laughs> this is for my mother-in-law's sake she listens to the podcast and is not going to know what localization or MVP <laughs> is. And maybe there are others out there like that. So, okay. When we talk about localization, we mean that the website or the software, whatever it is, is visible in your native language if you're in a different country yeah. than an English-speaking country. So someone in France, they bring up the website, Netflix.shop, and all the languages in French. Yeah. So that's and so, localization. And, 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 and so, so I think that's part of it. Now, because there's a physical product, you would often have different inventory supplies for these. You yeah. might even do all of that store's business happens in a separate currency, separate fulfillment system. Like the way I've seen this done oftentimes is that it's a separate domain. It's a separate site, right? It's like whatever.ca instead of .com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it so goes it was, to there. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was interesting that they are doing everything seemingly out of this one site. And they can see in the Reddit thread, like, well, yeah, and paying a bit of a toll because they haven't necessarily, like when you think about how to sell a product and say how long it's going to ship and what should we charge for shipping, those turn into materially complex questions to answer in a website. Yeah. So that's localization. The other term we mentioned or I mentioned was MVP, which stands for minimum viable product. So in software, when you're building something new, you don't want to release the end perfect product. You want to do the minimum amount to release it to the public to start to get feedback on how users are using the product. And then you can kind of iterate on that. And it's called MVP. Yeah, to and find so that's alignment what, between what you're trying to make and what people are actually experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I suggest that I, I'm not going to, I didn't invent this, but can I suggest we retire MVP in favor of MLP, minimum mm -hmm. lovable product? it of course i think mvp encourages you to cut corners and like yeah do something kind of crappy with that thinking and like what is the least we have to do and i think it just like stands yeah. you off it's like a mm -hmm. lazy start yeah and it's like it's yeah. like everybody in the software industry yeah. using that term so if you pivot i forget who it was that invented this certainly somebody smarter than me oh it wasn't you it wasn't me but i do like it I love it. Minimum lovable product, because I think there's a lot of little things that give a product soul and make it 
you know, when it's like really fast and that's part of what makes it great. Maybe that, like somebody says an MVP, well, MVP doesn't have to be fast. You know, like, what if that's the mm-hmm. thing I, I love about it? What if that's the thing that makes it special is that it's fast? Yeah, I love it. Minimum lovable product. But also too, because the whole goal of making a product is to engage with people, customers, yeah. and if it's, ah, oh, love it. Okay, I'm going to start using it. Yeah, personally, that's why I, I like writing software because you're, it's like a dance with, yeah. with the audience and it, I'm going to make this thing and then you're going to use it and you're going to tell me, I mean, ideally, you're going to tell me you love it. Probably you're not. Probably, like if I've done my job my first version should be enough that you can see what I'm trying to communicate. It kind of works and you can tell me how it should be better. But then I, yes. then I, that's a great like first thing. And how meaningful for your customer or your audience or your whatever community to then feel like they participated yeah. in the next iteration, which yeah. is really what you want. You but you want... have to be at it close enough to build up that trust. So I've, I've definitely yeah. made the mistake of launching something too early and too undefined. The reaction is like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so that's like clearly the wrong end of the spectrum. So you, you've got to find that sweet spot where they're like, I know what it is and here's how it could be improved. <laughs> so you have to be yes. somewhat aligned out of the gate. So I feel like Netflix dot shop is kind of there with that MLP. I don't know how L it is, but they're in that space where they're like, we've just got to get this to other countries. Let's do what we need to do to get it there. And then hopefully they iterate on that. If there's Reddit threads, all about it. Yeah, hopefully. And I think those, that was like earlier. I think that was closer to launch. I think, I mean, this is the danger of some of these things is, you know, you had a slightly clumsy launch, people had feedback, and now it's memorialized on the, on the internet forever. And you're like, do you know how many correct orders we've shipped since then? Everything is like running like clockwork. Uh, it's on your permanent record. It's permanent <laughs> record. Launch was a little clumsy with the international. Yeah. And, and I think we talked about this. Maybe we didn't expectations to reality. If you tell me it's going to take three weeks and I understand that and it shows up in three weeks, I'm happy with that. If you tell me it's going to be three days or I think it's going to be three days because no, you didn't say anything and it takes three weeks, I'm pissed, right? Yeah. So same exact situation, but one was communicated and one wasn't. And I think that is where Netflix has gotten into trouble, especially in the early days where it just wasn't communicated. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess we can keep going. We can go quickly. I just want to share two more things. Uh, it's part of the complexity. I think so. There's one thing that they're using a service called Caro for drop shipping. It's C A R R O. And so we haven't talked about drop shipping at all. Drop no. Shi- drop shipping is a. It's an interesting landscape. I've only observed it. I've never actually participated. But conceptually, I don't own the products that I'm selling on my website. Somebody else owns those products. Mm. but I'm going to get a feed from their catalog and I'm going to sell it in my store. And then when it ships, I just send a notification, hey, product owner, I need you to ship these things to this person. And so it's a way to kind of inflate the catalog without having taken all of that inventory risk. So I think there's probably a blend of inventory positions that Netflix themselves has taken. And some of it's being supplemented by a licensee where they've, yeah. like you said, Target is making Stranger Things t-shirts. And so somebody owns those shirts in a warehouse somewhere. And they're going to allow that to be sold through their front door, even though somebody else ships it. So I'm thinking like there are certain products through Amazon that 
people place the order, but the actual... A lot of the Amazon is a marketplace. What that marketplace is doing is sort of provide a layer to... I think dropshipping... I don't know. I actually can't decide how similar and different it is. There's definitely some overlap conceptually where it's a vendor who's you yes. accessing through the Amazon marketplace. I think with true dropshipping, it's, it's blind. I have no idea that somebody else owns this inventory. And I feel like when you buy something from a vendor on Amazon, they you pretty much know. I think you know that there is a, a vendor underneath there. I think it even says oftentimes like sold yeah, from yeah. so-and-so. So I think that's yeah. the difference between a marketplace and drop shipping. So drop shipping is blind and I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Okay. Except, except unless you're people like like us who can then reverse engineer all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then lastly, before we get to that box... Printful, I thought was interesting. Printful is an on-demand provider. Maybe 15 years ago, we started seeing a technology where you can basically inkjet print onto t-shirts. Oh. So t-shirts from millennia have been screen printed, right? And so you have to like yes. move the screen and there's some setup costs to that. And then like you've ordered screen printing, you know all about this stuff. I do. And you've I, made screen printing. <laughs> I made my living screen printing for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I, I know about it pretty well. And so they started this new technology where you could just kind of put it on a bed and make a one-off shirt. And so what Printful has done is taken that as their technology layer, as their like hardware layer, and then put an API on top of that so that I can order, you know, if my customer orders a size medium that kicks over to Printful's API and they produce it and ship it. Both of these are strategies to sell more products without taking an inventory position. I think that gives us a little bit of insight into, I don't know, just how they're running this thing. I like it too, because it minimizes waste. It's almost on demand. It is. Yeah. The quality is not quite the same. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this is because of my background in screen printing. I think on-demand is kind of crap. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just me being stubborn and sour grapes. But I've gone so far as to like order shirts from services like Printful. I don't remember if it was them or somebody else. And then, you know, screen print the same shirt to compare the quality. The quality is better with screen printing. It, it's just... I am not surprised you did that. So my band, when I was a 20-year-old punk, was called Vagluka Perlo, which translates to, I want to understand it. I just, I want to know how the world is put together. I love it. Are we getting to the we're, we're, box? We're to the, we're, we're to the box. Should we're we open, to the box. Should we open the Okay. I've got a giant message on the back. Recycled me again. I didn't. Show me your package. Oh. Mine is very different. Mine is... Look at that. You've got a bubble mailer. I got a bubble mailer. And when you realize what's inside, you'll realize how ridiculous that is. Okay. So, and, yeah. And mine shipped uh, USPS Crown Advantage. How about yours? Mine, USPS. There is no clue on this packing. Weird. Lightweight. Yeah, it is lightweight. Wait, you know what? I have the tracking thing pulled up. Let me see if there's a clue there. USPS Parcel Select Lightweight. Mm, Parcel Select. There we go. So I think this is something they rolled into now is USPS Ground. I wonder if they've got like a label provider that hasn't updated yet. You told me a couple episodes ago about USPS Ground changing. Yeah, Parcel Select, I think, is one of the ones that got killed. Okay. So 
<laughs> this is ridiculous. So I'm opening my bubble mailer. There is no packing slip in it either. So I guess we're getting to companies that only put the label on the package and that's all you get. But I got... Oh, Netflix and chill socks. Very nice. Yes. I thought they were funny. And I mean, I guess this is a sock. I don't know. I feel like you can't go wrong with socks. And they were funny. How many socks have we ordered across the episodes of this month? I know. I now have socks. I have one, two, three, four, five, six socks. Wow. I never could have predicted it. This is why you have to get out of bed every day because you can't predict what's going to happen. <laughs> what did you get? I, mine's, a, mine's a gift. It is a Cowboy Bebop t-shirt. Oh, that wife, looks awesome. My wife is a fan. And uh, if I was a little bit smarter, I would have not told her about it and give it to her as a Christmas gift. But I did tell her about it. And the shirt yeah. is due She's later today. On the, <laughs> she, she knows, she knows we are core. recording today and wants her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think mine was direct to garment. It does not feel screen printed. It's a little bit of a uncrisp edge, which is a tragedy because this pink color combination would print very, very well. Well, mine is definitely, it's like stitched into the fabric and it's definitely machine. Like I, yeah. I remember during the Henrietta Fahrenheit days, there were a couple of the designers who had items in my store who had discovered like the knitting machines or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they made beautiful scarves and whatnot that said like, let them eat cake, oh, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But yeah, so this is definitely machine knitted, so to speak. Okay, so I got one one more clue here, and I want to get into where your knitting came from. Yeah. So mine came from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I've got a street address here. If I Google that street address, it is a Printful location. Oh, okay. So that goes mine? back to my my on demand. We saw them on the web tech side, and now I yes. have the proof that my order actually shipped straight from Printful. Where did your ship from? You're going to love this because you already covered it in the back end. It came from Moreno Valley, California. And when I look at the address, it is Moreno Fulfillment Center Ship Bop Inc. Mm, so. so does that mean mine was drop shipped? I don't think so. I don't think it was drop shift. So ship Bob is a fulfillment. They're a competitor to the oh. that I was running. Oh, ship Bob. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I thought it was ship Bob already because I looked at where the USPS, you had sent me your tracking. Yes, I it's, did. It's original tracking. It was received at the um, Moreno Valley, California sort facility. And so if you Google Moreno Valley, it is just outside Riverside, in Southern California, which is just outside LA. And if you look, there's a ship fob facility. And I think about people who are making modern decisions who came into e-commerce in 2021. I said, oh, that's exactly the people that are choosing ship bob. And so now you've got the address. I only had the tracking. I couldn't prove it until now. Yeah, you are proven correct. All right. There's also a whiplash facility just around the corner and an Amazon facility around the corner and a company called Fellowship. So those are my four guesses. But in my heart of hearts, I kind of thought it would be ship up. It's always so fascinating. So this is just fulfillment 
it's a fulfillment center. Yeah. So, so that's I, so I think it, I think if we ordered a third product, so the edge we didn't cover is the drop shipping. So you got they took yeah. an inventory position, they ordered some embroidered socks, they had to bring those in inventory, so they put those at ship up. They didn't take an inventory position on this cowboy peepop shirt. They just did like a API integration and put some art on file at Printful so they can ship them direct. And then I think if we'd ordered something else, I, I don't know what it would have been, but then it would come drop shipped where it come from a third warehouse. How long did yours take? Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. It actually took quite a while. It traveled. I kind of took notes on this too because it traveled a while. Anyway, I paid for economy shipping $5.25. And so we ordered on a Wednesday. It shipped two days later on Friday. Oh, I know. That day. So it started in California, as we covered, then it went to Las Vegas, then to Illinois, then it arrives in Michigan. It arrived in Michigan the Tuesday after I ordered. So we ordered on a Wednesday. So a full week later, it arrives in Michigan on Tuesday. Guess when it gets to me? When? Not till Saturday. It ding-donged around in Michigan from Tuesday to Saturday. Wow. Well, so let, it let's, took a full week and yeah. a half. Let's talk a little bit about the time that you ordered because these dates are we're setting off alarms for me. This is the week leading up to Black Friday. Was it? Yeah. Or two weeks. Well, I'm looking at when did we order? I need to look at the calendar. It entered the system on the seventeenth. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's a the, one week before it's Black the Friday. The week leading up. And so it, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit early. I kind of thought you would have made the cutoff a little faster. That's not not as gracious as I normally would come to expect from USPS. But on the flip side of that, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I feel like are spreading forward further and further. It used to be this moment that everything is on. Now everybody's advertising their sales early. That's really smeared across a lot of November, frankly. Yes, you're right. It's like everything. Like Halloween starts in July. Yeah. Black Friday starts in, you know, Halloween. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's probably some of that smear effect is that they were seeing higher volume, even though it wasn't actually the day yet, which thank goodness that's happening. Like, I'm not going to speak to the October or like uh, Halloween in July because that's upsetting. But. <laughs> Spreading <laughs> spreading these sales around is good for everybody because otherwise you have to have this capacity that can handle this 10x spike for like three days. Like that means you're way over designing or you're really falling down. So spreading right. it over like a six week period is just so much better for everybody. Spreading it out actually helps make it be more predictable. Yeah. Because you're not one snapshot in time of a spike. Like spreading it out, you could see the trend earlier on and either do something about it or recover or plan or whatever. Yes. Yes. And just Mm -hmm. shipping 10 orders a day for a week straight is very different from shipping 70 orders all at once. And those numbers, it sounds doable either way. But like when you turn those numbers to material scale... Mm -hmm. The building's not big enough. The truck's not big enough. You can't find enough employees in your time zone. You know, you end up with real issues. Yeah, 100%. So anything else on this label I should be curious about? 
I don't think so. I think this is an interesting one just because we hey, we do have so much variety on what it means. It's like brought together under this single mass head. It's actually a lot of different systems working yeah. to create the consumer experience. I have to say that despite my little four box <laughs> online shopping experience, not knowing the behind the scenes is like a 10. It is. It's really cool. Like it is. It is. It's very cool to hear all of the pieces that come together and how we even missed one of the cases. You know what we need? We need more people on the show so we can cover more edges. I suggest that we bring guests on. I love it. I know we've started a list. <laughs> we, we have a list. I, I happen to have get, received this morning our first acceptance of a guest appearance by a friend of mine who's a social connector in the e-commerce space. So this is uh, somebody who knows the business at scale, and uh, I'm pretty excited to have on. That's amazing. So with that, we'll let you... We're not going to spoil that one. We're going to leave you It's hanging. out there, though. There's yeah, we got to the box and we're going to get to another box. <laughs> Surprise. Thanks for listening. James's latest company is called Trivial. They are building a data platform for online businesses to quickly see the metrics that make a difference. And Jennifer's business, Roo, that's R-O-U-X, provides the operating structure for growing businesses so they can move from fires to flow. If you have an unboxing experience you'd like us to evaluate, you can find us on LinkedIn. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Unboxing E-Commerce wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.